Welcome back, everybody. Another episode of Hold My Bread. As always, I am one of your hosts, Elon Thrust, a.k.a. Ranch, because I'd be dressing uh, here with Joel Lukowski. Joel! What is up, breadheads? Gather around. It's time to join the gluten gang. Let us carbo load. I had a box of golden grams last night. Oh, I do not feel well, but this is Hold My Bread, new territory, the four thousand one hundred seven dollar and ninety-two no sixty-two cent podcast. How are we, Maddie? We're reaching new heights. I'm great. I feel rested. I went on a long bike ride. I had a show yesterday. Everything is good. I'm I'm very excited for the episode today. How are you? I'm doing great. We're here at the Bet Bunker over in Bushwick, and you know what? We 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 tore up the outline. You know me. I was busy translating that MBA, that Masters of Finance, uh-huh, to a uh-huh. distillable, enjoyable podcast scenario, but we ripped it up. I tore up my iPad. I everyone who's listening knows I'm a big iPad on the belt buckle guy. But we have a guest here. You want to intro? We our do guest? have a guest. I met him last night. Um, I genuinely, really ten years ago. I met him last night. No, he's very great. Uh, I'm very excited to have him. I knew immediately he's here because we met immediately, and I was like, I, we have to have him on. Uh, very smart, very thoughtful. Um, very excited to have him, uh, Adam Grabowski. Hey, they literally made me hold their bread. Yeah, they each handed me a baguette, uh, but due to social distancing, they made sure it was that long, fake French one that you would put. <laughs> and did anybody even want to eat that, or did they just put that in the grocery bag to look like they went to the market? It's, like, that's just that like, it's a flag is, you let people know. Yeah, yeah I mean, every cartoon you ever see, you have the baguette sticking out of the sure. grocery bag. You have to. That's big baguette at work. They're giving that info <laughs> to the Disney company. Yeah. Okay. I was, I was wondering if they were going to have an IPO for big baguette so are they already bought out (laughs) yeah they're bought out i think they're actually folded into a few defense contractors that are going public later so you (laughs) it's nice to meet you yes and i i asked you when you walked in i didn't mean to be rude but i was like hey why are you doing the show yeah so it's very funny that i'm doing the show because quarantine has made me more aware of just all the I mean, I'm sure everyone else has been experiencing this, but the systemic issues that come along with our society, but also just the mere fact that capitalism and free market capitalism has been the thing that has withheld most progress in certain areas because people don't want to lose money. That's it. People are like, well, I don't want to lose money at this, or they want to make money at it, so then we privatize things like healthcare, we're starting to privatize everything. We maybe have a secretary of education that's trying to make more private privatized schools, which is a terrible idea because if you're turning a profit on schools, that's not the point of school. The point of school is to have education for your citizens so that they can lead better lives and you can do better as a country. Point being, this is the way in which my brain is working, right? And then I'm hanging out with Matt after seeing their show in Central Park, which is very fun. And then they're like, we do a podcast on stocks and, and other things of that nature. And I was like, of course, the first thing I should do is talk about stocks. That's the first thing I should do as I'm like, I hate all of this, money is dumb, but at the same time, I am somebody who very much participates in this process. Like the money I made during quarantine was from stocks, but I hate it and I'm so conflicted. So here I am. And that is our reality. Like I told you a bit of my backstory. I like finance enough where every penny I go, I'm playing with it. I'm studying mm-hmm. it in my spare time, but you know that's not where I come from. I invest because I am that poor, and I'm doing. I'm having this like the same revolution as you. Only my sister, she's an essential worker at Whole sure. Foods in Detroit. She sees coworkers dying. She's 
kept behind the eight ball because people are getting more money on unemployment. So yeah. there's, there's no health benefits. There's no economic benefits. And I'm studying the system from the outside and just outside observation. You can work that to your own advantage. But if you're a foot soldier in this situation, sure. it's hard to get ahead. And that's why this podcast exists. And you guys should definitely share as much of the information as you can because money is a language taught by your family and your class. That's really what it is. Like I grew up uh, middle class. My parents grew up below that. My mom moved around a lot and they went to college. They, my dad worked at the same company for 30 years and then retired from that. And now as a teacher and they're teachers and things of that nature. But they taught me certain finance things when I was younger and had me have a bank account and kind of understand what that means. And it's so cultural to do this like and it's like trying to get your kid to have a credit card and learn how to use that and not and to avoid interest rates and never do payday loans and all that stuff and you're like oh this is because you kind of have to come from knowing stuff to share that with your family and your group and that's how we kind of keep classism so the more we right. can educate and talk about it it's actually better and, i think and that that's why this podcast yeah. exists that, that's essentially exactly what I was say. that's exactly the, one of the goals we started is we because when we started we didn't know much and our goal was like to build a show where the audience and the people that listen can learn with us and as we're learning yeah. they're learning and there's things that i know obviously that joel doesn't know and there's things that like that our listeners are aware of like the 52 week challenge have you ever heard of that no like, that's the thing my mom taught me when i was young and i still use it to this day what's the 52 week challenge so like, hold the stock for 52 weeks so it's so basically what you do is at the beginning there's 52 weeks in a year so what you do is like you yeah i don't know if you guys knew that um, but basically yeah. you, uh, thank you, Matt. You guys, and, uh, what's a year? So, three, so, and there's three to 65 days in a year. Um, every no, so, year sometimes. or, oh, sometimes you're right. Wow. I got to write that down. No. So wait, basically what you do is it's like every week starting at the beginning of the year, you take, um, like $20 out and put it in a, an account. The next week you take like $22 out, put it in an account. 20, every week you take a little bit of money out. And by the end of the year, you have like three grand saved. Sure. And it's such small chunks that it doesn't really make a huge difference, but it's an easy way to save money. And I've been doing that for years. And I'm not rich, but it's just like, just doing that one small thing right. has been so helpful. So it's like, I didn't obviously explain it that well, but Google 52-week challenge, and yeah. definitely recommend that. So well, stuff like that, I like sharing that with people. But I mean, it's it's hard because everyone's like, save your pennies. And you're like, that's, that's not even real and that will never work. But if you could do it in larger chunks or, you know, if you could see some of the decisions that you're making in real time, like, hey, maybe I won't spend that extra or I won't update my phone right away and have this larger expenditure because then I could use that to invest, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I feel like we have to keep up. Uh, that's a great way to do it. I'm somebody who's always lived below my means. Right. I've always done that and I still do it now. Like I, when the pandemic happened, I was like, okay, comedy's never coming back. I'm never gonna have live shows again. I end up losing a lot in canceled shows. A oh, good I'm amount, sure. a good chunk. But that's not everything. The point being, I just reduced like all of the spending and other things. I was just so worried about it because for me, it's that future things you can buy that is real wealth and safety. Mm -hmm. So, but also once again, that's culture in certain ways. Like I bought a Prius off my friend from, and it's a 2010 and I'm, I, I could update my car. Right. Right. But I'm not gonna because it works right. and people don't break into it because it looks like it has nothing valuable in it, which I do on purpose sometimes when I have like tons of equipment in there and I'll like scatter hoodies and other stuff around the back so it looks like I don't have like thousands of dollars of stuff yeah. in the back 
And the first level of financial planning, that's leave the door open so no one breaks the window. Like, you learned that ah. growing up in Detroit. I learned ah. that from you. Yeah, people will break in, in Detroit to steal the, the change out of your center console. So you might as well just leave that door unlocked. If anyone wants to come in, they'll come in. I, I learned that from you. I was like, you want me to lock it? And you're like, no, no, don't lock it. They'll break the window. Just let them open the door. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just the basics of financial planning. And I'm I'm with you on the 52-week challenge. Let me just have a brief OCD tangent. Yeah, go 52 for it. 52 times 20 is actually 1,040, well, not 3,000. I, like, I know you. the man. I just was like trying to tr- speak in generality. But he put know. it all in Zoom. Yeah. But, so that's why it's 3,000 by the end of it. Yeah. So yeah, he... He. That's why I. Well, what you do is it's like you put a dollar in, then you put two. Right? Is that right? And you put a dollar in, then week two, two dollars, then three dollars, and by fifty-two, you put fifty-two dollars, and then it's all. Uh, Ma- Matt, again, I'm not being rude to you, but stop looking at me. <laughs> 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 We're in a studio. Matt can't is not allowed to look at me today. We could explain that in some context, but I think it's more entertaining if we don't. <laughs> yeah, of course, absolutely. It's uh, because I require full eye contact the entire time. Yeah. You make good eye contact. I like that. I used to not do that on stage. Uh, a lot of people didn't. A yeah. lot of people don't. And now I, in comedy. Yeah, and now I do it all the time. Yeah, it's good. And it is good, except for the fact that I do a lot of college shows, right? And this is their uh, first... I'm usually the first comedian for a lot of people. Uh-huh. And they're not as used to somebody. Now, because all YouTube videos are somebody talking directly into a camera nowadays, they're more used to it. Mm. But I remember people would get very weirded out by it, so... Uh, if that was the case, I would end up looking three feet above somebody and the laughs would double because they felt comfortable right. because they weren't, it wasn't so personal. They but feel like they're on the spot when you're looking at them. They feel like bit. they're on the spot and it's a little yeah. different because like comedy club goers are maybe on a date or they have a drink minimum. So they're looser or they're more used to those interactions. But if you're like 19, 20 and you've never been to a comedy show, you're like, oh, d- uh, this is an authority person. Am I, is this like in class? Or yeah, 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 yeah. So I love eye contact, but I realize sometimes people don't want it. And now I'm like, no, but I need the connection. Right. It's and, very important. And if we're going over basics of finance here, sure. why not just include the basics of being a likable person, make eye contact, say someone's name. That will engender good feelings. Right, Matt? I Absolutely, Joel. <laughs> it's very important. <laughs> Joel, I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, I'm good with Joel. Um, yeah? Yeah, I mean... Did Embiid I, make it cool for you? Well, living in New York made it cool because, yeah. like, I was a mover in New York and, like, you know, the people I'm talking to on loading docs, I'd show them my ID to ex- ask, access a building. They see, read my name as Joel. It yeah. gives my Midwestern corn fed ass a little bit of extra uh, flavor. I'm jealous. Adam. Yeah, no. Adam. Ad, what can you do with Adam? You uh, can't nickname Adam. Well, you could say a damn Grabowski. That's it. It just sounds like you're mad yeah, at. It's a goddamn. It's like damn a, Bra- a Grabowski. Damn Grabowski again. again, which sounds very much just like you're mad at Chicago Polish people yeah. for no reason. Yeah, these damn Grabowskis running around. They. They don't run around that no, much. Like, depends yeah, on what right. it is. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm always jealous of people with nicknames or the nickname ability or the ability to change your name. So I mean, are you ever going to go by like Few or, Few? or Addie? Or? I've never thought of that. Thew. People call me Maddie a lot, but it's always women. Women always call me Maddie. I call you Maddie. Yeah, you do. Joel does call me Maddie. Joel yeah. calls me Maddie. Yeah, but, but nicknames, if you're someone who can give a nickname, that wields too much hot power. I'm someone, you know, if I give a nickname, it generally sticks Back in high school, I gave this buddy of mine the nickname Tippy. He was an all-state wrestler. You couldn't knock him over, but he kind of walked side to side. And unfortunately, a few years out of high school, he killed himself. I was the first person in my friend group to find out, and I said his real name. 
I said what had happened and no one knew what I was talking about. So I had to tell my friend group, Tippy killed himself. <laughs> and then, you know, the or, the nickname was that pervasive. Right. It was people wow. didn't even know his real name. He was just known as Tippy. Yeah. It's a good nickname. It was a terrible story. Yeah, of course. Tangent alert. It's a great They're nickname, always though. terrible stories. And that's the thing about like middle school or high school, because it's one thing you did once, like you know, like, hey, what a man thong. And it's not even that you were somebody that wore a man thong. It's just one day your like shoestring belt looked like a man thong. Right. And then exactly. they're like from the skate park you get that nickname and it sticks with you forever. You're like, I never even wore them. Why is this my nickname? Yeah. Or you carry a Dr. Pepper one time for someone and they're like, Oh look, it's the doctor and you're like, God damn it. That's a good one though. I wanna be the doctor. Yeah. The, Instead of Mrs. Peps or whatever Mrs. they call Pe- you. Yeah. Uh, it's all Peppy. Peppy's here. And yeah. an, an, but another yes. tangent from that same friend group, someone there, they had the Twitter handle Diet Doctor Pepper. They Dr. Pepper tried to buy it off him. Instead, she's like, just give the money to Flint, Michigan. She launched a career in politics off the strength of that. So wow, that is that's awesome. incredible. Yeah, shouts to Diana Hussein. Um, if Islam is the true religion, I believe we're married. So good egg there. You d- yeah, did you, is that the one you dated for a while? Yeah. Nice. My on again, off again. You mean the person? Uh-huh. He's dated multiple. He's dated multiple Islamic people. Okay, I've only dated one Islamic person, and it was Diana. But oh, you know, mind. she welcomed me to the you, faith. You were like, you were like going to mosques and things. Like you were ingrained. For, for listeners, uh, we're we're really showing you guys inside baseball here. Um, I don't. I, I forget where you guys may have grown up, but as a Midwestern uh, suburban white boy, to then be like, oh, I've dated people of different religions is like. Not a way of bragging, but more of a way of saying like we've we've cultured ourselves a little, or we've yeah we've we've like, we've, we've found some diversity in our lives. It's about versus growth. Where Isn't we grew it about up, growth. Try to right. expand. Well, I'm, right, right, right. I'm Sometimes also, people take it the wrong way. They're like like oh I dated you know I've dated a black girl, and yeah, they say yeah, it yeah. like that. Well, I didn't and you're say like, it like that. No, I, don't. <laughs> I didn't. Go, all right. Yeah, Matt doesn't date no. anyone. He just picks them up. He's a pickup artist. But uh-huh. yeah, where I'm a Midwestern suburban white boy yeah. myself, but my town, Dearborn, is actually a yeah. little unique. It's the most Muslim city in the country. Okay. So there was just like an amazing melting pot of people that you wouldn't have in that existence. That is, that's awesome. Uh, I think, like, isn't, isn't there a larger population in Minnesota as well? Yeah, there's like certain towns that become like havens for yeah. new populations. I know like... There's some random towns in Arkansas that have huge Hmong populations. I know Milwaukee has a big Muslim population. But Mm -hmm. it's just like, historically, that's where Ford Motor is. So there was the precedent, you go to Dearborn, you can get a job. Okay, and then that's where that came from. My Even the suburb I grew up in uh, has gotten more Muslim residents, and it's been great to see just more diversity amongst individuals. And also, I think I read a study that was saying like Muslim communities have like the safest communities in America which is a fun thing to rub in the face of people that are like, oh no, people are moving in, which is so frustrating. And that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That, well, that's, that's actually the conclusion you should come to is yeah. like, well, they might make it safer and have maybe a more close-knit community that they may know their neighbors. Like, right. it's a good thing. And there's, there's, there's that hard sense of community among immigrant populations. And there's also, the, I, not to stereotype, but Muslims keep like, uh, on, on the whole, slightly different hours in my experience. They're up a little later, and they they a lot of them they hang out on their front porch to a great extent. So like that's the neighborhood watch. Like those are the basics yes. right there, and that's just inherent yes. to their community. Even just even just from a suburb, it, there's always like a bunch of people out on the driveway hanging out, and it's like, well, by being informed and being you know communicative with each other, that's so much better. I was trying to think like, why is it that 
where I grew up and the way that I grew up that we are so individualistic, right? Like if you don't know the people, you don't say anything. There's kind of that whiteness that comes with it. And I was like, oh, maybe because like, because my last name's Grabowski and there's obviously like other uh, Polish, Irish, Lithuanian, Croatian, whatever. That's the, the background with great grandparents that came over. But I think it's kind of like this major assimilation thing where it's like we needed to very much be super American, which was to distance Maybe that happens, mm-hmm. like in some com- in some communities. It's like I was thinking how there are some like um, Trump voting Hispanic people in our country, and I was like, how could this be the case? But it tends to be some people that are trying to really distance themselves from the immigrant population, mm-hmm. the Hispanic immigrant population, because they're trying to be more assimilated and usually live in a community that's like a bit more MAGA conservative and racist. So they want to like fit in. So that was just... And to jump off that American individualism, yeah. like, so I started this this program, a study a few weeks ago. It's going great. But one of the primary objectives is you learn about how American attitudes, like, just they put individualism up on a pedestal. Yeah. And how when working with other countries, like, it's such a big adjustment for people to make. Like, our, all my homework is about how would you speak with, with a company in India? How mm. would you have... How would you gauge these communication issues? So I, I got to double down and like really give credit to your point. No, I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, the individualism above all, all else is why we even have stocks and investing in stocks and why and, that sort of thing is happening and why we have some of the ebbs and flows and issues that we have because everyone's trying to make theirs while they can. So take us through it. We'll get back on track. This is a finance sure, podcast yeah. of all. I mean, the, we don't tape the Muslim cultural assimilation pod until Wednesdays, oh, okay. unfortunately. But um, you, I, you, I understand that you are an anti-capitalist, uh-huh. but, you, well, but you made money in the stock market over yeah. the pandemic. It's like, I, I guess I wouldn't say I'm an anti-capitalist because I don't even know what that means. And then it's also putting labels. I'm just saying like, I'm a person who participates in capitalism because that's the country that I'm in. Right. And then I also am like really learning the issues that come along with it. But then also there's some positives that come with things as well. So I'm very conflicted. I'm just like, I'm just conflicted all the time. That's where I'm at. But yeah, I did. I made money. I made more money during this pandemic than other people that were working jobs or getting unemployment or doing other things. And I was like, but why? What has gotten better about everyday life for americans can i ask one background question yeah did you invest before the pandemic so i was invested before the pandemic and then i was upset that in early march i didn't pull out fast enough but i did pull out most of the money that i had in and then i was like well it's gonna have to eventually get back so like in may april i rebought i even bought things like boeing and stuff because i was like it's gonna something's gonna happen they got to do something but i wasn't even paying attention to the fact that they were going to get bailed out and other companies were. But I was like, this is, I think this is what always happens, right? Like the things go wrong and then corporations get socialism, whereas everyday workers get capitalism. So that is kind of what took place. So yeah, I made more than what I had pre-pandemic in stocks. And it was like Netflix, Google, Apple, Amazon. And I don't like the companies, but I, I put money in that and... They're the five companies that make up 23% of the major indexes right mm-hmm. now. And, you know, you made money, but you the stock markets, I know they went up. I know our country is just predicated on the health of these organizations, but 
given the level of inflation, yeah, did you really make money or did you just stay even with the but course? That, do you see the problem that comes with that? It means that the people that have money to invest still always do okay or actually make money. And then what does that do with people that are regular citizens, not regular citizens, the citizens, just people that aren't, that don't have extra money to put in stocks end up getting left behind because it's not like wages are increasing suddenly and it's not like right. expenditures are suddenly going down with this inflation. And that's the whole point. The rich are able to stay with the inflation that happens, whereas everyone else gets left behind. And that's been going on since World War II even, where right. the, the divide between the, the lowest and the highest. By the way, I'm a comedian. I've totally forgotten that I could be funny at times because I was just so concerned of 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 the nature of all of the and, world and the environment and the everyday citizens and there's these band-aid gestures so our essential workers they've carried us our country through this crisis 100%. and like companies like hobby lobby traditionally conservative they're giving 17 dollars an hour and companies like amazon whole foods my sister for example yeah she she has a free community college education but you know what? That's not going to be much good after you've given these workers PTSD, after they're living hand to mouth. So mm. they're giving them the tools, but ultimately without any abilities to succeed, you know, these gestures are a little empty. I, I mean, sometimes. <laughs> so when we're talking about like conscious capitalism and people are trying to to, you know, be on the right side of things and like if pepsi's like black lives matter and you're like yeah because that's a large consuming group to you you know what i mean but it's also not it's a it's a double-edged not double-edged sword but there's just two ways to look at it. it's like yeah you guys are kind of faking it but also it's kind of good that this is your platform because I'm, I'm glad that you're tipping your scales to maybe try to exemplify what it is that people are really caring about which is more social issues or its employees but really it's just gonna have to come from uh, legislation and this idea in our culture that like companies don't own the people, the people own the companies. And that's the way we're going to have to start looking at it in order for things to get better for everyday Americans. Because it's just, I don't know. You're like, yeah, but, but you know, Jeff Bezos gives people jobs and you're like, Jeff Bezos is not rich without the people. And let's never forget that. Right. I don't know. I still think that Robin Hood, the app, should just be where we all get to take money from Jeff Bezos. We just Robin Hood it. We just steal it from him. Like he's got what? How many? What's, what's he got? Two two hundred billion or something like that. Pretty close. Yeah. What if we took a hundred billion? He wouldn't even know. He had a divorce, and she be, got like forty billion, fifty billion. Right, and then she gave away like oh, like forty percent of that or something. That like is that. awesome. She gave away so much of it. That's awesome. I'm glad. I'm so glad that that happened. But that was proof that you could do that. Yeah, he could. That's the thing, though. He could have been doing that the whole time. And then there's the whole thing where it's like he is opening. I keep seeing this news story about how Jeff Bezos is opening up like a preschool. Did you see this? No. He's opening up like a preschool, and it's like, yeah, bro, just pay your taxes, and we could open up a lot of schools. Yep. We could open up a lot of schools yep. if you would just pay your fucking taxes. Don't leave it up to the people that have to be nice and give it all away. I mean, not everyone's going to be Bill Gates. Like, let's make the systems in place so they do it. I mean, without without regulation, we wouldn't have a 40-hour work week in certain ways. We wouldn't have the overtime pay. We wouldn't have other things. So legislation is going to be the way that it happens. You can't just hope that these companies are going to do better because they never do. Right. They're going to keep, they want things to be linked because they're, it's like so favors them. They're not going to give up. Yeah. The... Let's part-time everyone and give no health care. Like, that's what they would prefer to do. And it's right. like, we have to change what they're allowed to do in order for things to change. Yeah, and we live in a an era where union strength is the lowest it's been in a hundred years. Minus please. 
Uh, yeah, mine is police. Yeah. <laughs> NYPD, the most powerful union in the country, unfortunately. But, you know, back to what you're saying about a company like Pepsi marketing themselves to certain segments, you're kind of seeing like Wall Street cater to the conscious investors such mm. as yourself. And even that is just like such a misguided application, like these impact fund, these green energy funds. Like a few months ago, we actually went through what were in these index funds. Okay. And they aren't as green or progressive as you would ever expect. No. They're like the oil companies who have like Come on. a little bit better waste management abilities. So it's not any like investment in the future <sighs> or the, a new paradigm. It's just, oh, we're repackaging this and we're marketing this security like another company would market a soft drink. Right. We're just, we're the urban liberals and we are the rubes in this situation. <laughs> what? It's kind of the, you know, they realize the relationship might end, so they start being nice for a little bit. But right, it doesn't exactly. really change the dynamic or the fact that they want to keep the power dynamic the way that it is. So, yes, good, make some gestures, do something. But, yeah. And I, I'm somebody that, okay, so, like, during the pandemic, I was I was super upset because I, I we have to use so much plastic now, right? Like, mm -hmm. there's tons of waste that's happening, but it's because we're trying to be safe about everything, and I, I'm, I'm okay with that. But I'm, like, mad. I can't use my reusables as much. And then I, somebody's just like, here, can I show you a video? And I was like, yeah, sure. And it was just like, 10 companies are responsible for 70% of all the greenhouse gases and pollution and waste in the world. So what you do doesn't matter individually. And I was like, okay, I know your intention was to make me feel better about how I'm using a lot of plastics right now. And I was like, but in the end, what did, I'm like, now I'm like sad because I realized it's only through major legislation and forcing these companies not to do stuff that right. this will ever change. Right. It's like Coca-Cola, so much plastic just every day. Yeah. Just thousands and thousands of pounds. Yeah. Well, we have this idea that producing and create, like always, always producing is like good. You're like, mm -hmm. oh, you're doing good because you made all the things and you sold the thingies. Uh -huh. And you're like, well, you had a lot what of this, and then you got rid of it, and now you have a lot of that. Yeah, every day, every day we're going to bring new plastics into the bodega or grocery store, and then those are going to go out, and then we're going to bring new plastics in. And yep. Yeah. Yeah, there's no level of agreement on any issue. And like, talk about the cap the problems of capitalism. Plastic is the biggest problem. Not only do yeah. we have all these packagings, things are made to broke, and those things just exist. Your water bottle is going to break at some point. Yeah. That's going to sit in a landfill for the rest of existence, and mm. we keep making more. We need to have across the board, like, adherence to these kind of green values. But, you know, COVID hit, police brutality hit. And the real shockwave to our economic system would be green initiatives that just kind of, we do all this usage, but there's no self-examination on Americans about their own consumption. And that needs to happen, or we're just going to be caught in this cycle. Well, what part of selling you more products is going to work if I'm telling you to look out for your consumption? Like, everyone's advertising something to sell you right a new version or a new type of water bottle whatever it new... is it could be yeah 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 it could it could be they're selling you an app but it could be like we're selling you makeup it could be we're selling you products shirts clothing whatever it is it's like uh the ads that say you have everything you need and why don't you reuse that shirt is not that who's gonna fund that advertisement right. and what are they making money off of with that but that's really what we need to be told to each other you know like i i've made sure i've been like I, I bought shoes finally because my vans fell apart but i like i'm like i don't want to buy more clothes the ones i have are good and it's just and i'll donate other stuff but 
I don't know. Yeah, we need that on the grander scale, and I don't know what's ever going to tip that right. in this. But we could also talk about stocks and finances if you'd like, because we do have to educate people on this system. And as I'm as I'm pushing you to like, let's talk about all the issues, but not that. But well, I really like, appreciate you guys doing that. That's like awesome that you're because well, I think most of the podcasts they wouldn't let me go. So like, here's all the issues of the world and why everything's bad. So I I appreciate it from you and guys. Of course, there's no reason why that can't work. Like. A company like Swill, Swell Water Bottles that makes an amazing product, if they were to be have a partnership with a big beverage distributor, that would be something that could maybe change consumer behavior as a whole. And meanwhile, you're investing in the big five investment firms. Mm-hmm. Like, was. Was. He, was. He pulled I'm scared. Out. I he, pulled out in like two weeks ago. Yeah. Like everything. And there are, there are some bounce backs today and like... If you look at history, we talk about this every week. Okay. Every time, hopefully, the White House switches from Republican to Democrat, that isn't a two-term Republican, mm-hmm. stocks just tank for about three months afterwards. Yeah. And what and and the 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 problem with that is that that is why some people will choose well, to vote Republican. Yo, that is exactly... Only for that reason. Yes, and not, that's such an insane thing. That's so insane. Yeah, because they're like, well, I mean, capitalism sucks, but I've been doing okay at capitalism, and I'm so worried about losing at capitalism that I can't... Like, this mentality that people have when they're like, uh, <laughs> like, I don't want, I don't want the government to pay for everyone's kids colleges and at the same time the guy goes i have to pay for my own kids colleges and you're like well bro if you listen to what we're saying you actually wouldn't then have to pay for your kids colleges because of that like so some people are so entrenched in the system that they're like but i'll lose money i'll lose money so i don't i can't i can't i have to vote for the system you're sounding like you're talking about my dad right now my my dad's my my dad's whole thing is like well the market he's like i'm telling you get your money out if biden wins get your money out it's like it's it's three months so it's gonna be three months of a dip it's gonna be well worth it it'll be fine totally worth it we're gonna be we're gonna it'll bounce back three months you could ride out three months i didn't put my money in in 2016 out of out of principle and that was kind of a dumb financial decision like when it was trump i was like i don't want to make money off trump i don't and then i was like that's not helping my friends and family were the people that I can protect with individual wealth, which is right. my purpose for money now is like, well, do friends need it? Do I need it for an injury? Do we need it for that? So I respect that. Yeah. But now that consumers, we had this time, we had this like guaranteed universal basic income for a segment of time. Mm-hmm. And now since people like everyday people are investing more than ever before and they're more empowered, mm-hmm. the way investments are marketed is just trying to take advantage like i think it's extremely problematic the way options trading has been just foisted upon consumers like it's a safe reliable thing to do and personally the moment you place a options trade the 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 trading floor turns into a casino Mm. are you you referring to when i've seen an ad on tv that was saying like hey do you have 50 bucks you could put it in and you'll get a piece of netflix Amazon, this they do like the the yeah. That's, have you seen that's those some ads? new dystopian sort of thing. I'm I've seen those. Okay. I've got my own problem with them. And the thing is, all this thing is kind of like the problem with the capitalist system. It isn't a problem. It's the fact that literally every loophole for profitability in our entire economy mm-hmm. is being exploited to the full extent of being exploited. Like that, you can a, like you had our parents had a ten year span to get in on McDonald's. Oh, this is a company that's part of our world. People are going to use it moving forward. And 
the information was there. You could walk around and do it. And now, by the time you go to make that information, the the money, the, the value doesn't reflect that. Like we tried to, we started this podcast because we wanted to buy Beyond Burger. Uh-huh. And it was just like, oh, we could never buy this opening IPO price. Sure. What so, was it at the opening? I expected it to be 22. It was 43. Uh-huh. I didn't do it. it. I had money for my whole family and it doubled within the day. Oh. <laughs> That's what I was telling you about last night. That's like the catalyst of this whole thing where I was like, we can't make that mistake again. I bought it at 90. I bought it at 90 and I it dropped to 60 right away. And I was like, uh-oh. And then it went up to like 91. And I was like, okay, I already put way too much in this. Let me just sell it. And then the next day it was like 145 yeah. or something like that. And that's the thing. The more trades you do, the worse the chances are in your in your favor. Do you know what the most hmm. successful brokerage company is? No. It's a company called Vanguard. They're based in Philadelphia and they're just buy and hold investors. Really? Yeah, if they like a company, they don't they don't do anything. They buy that stock, it's in their portfolio for life. They'll grow with that company, they'll grow with the dividends and okay. all this stuff like the mar- there's marketing towards us and I've noticed this in a lot of news outlets, Yahoo Finance especially that bad info is given out to like people doing research and it just kind of guides us to do more trades and that just pushes the numbers against us. Well, I think they try and make, they try and put fear in people like to make them second guess their investments and things like that. I just, uh, what I've, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of green to all this stuff, right? I'm, I'm new to it. And I just, I, I was always mad about the opening because I was like, I'd have an idea for something to invest in and then by the time it opens, it's much higher, right? Right. But I've done enough where I now learned that I could do pre and post, like opening and closing trading. So I stayed up one night because I was worried about the dip being much bigger a couple of weeks ago. I stayed up all night until 4 a.m. West Coast time, which is 7 a.m. here, where they open up the pre-trading and I was like saying like, okay, I'm willing to sell Apple at 118. Like I'm willing to sell it at 119, whatever you guys will take. And I, and, and in doing so, I probably saved myself like 2,500, not wow. waiting for the opening. Although the next day they kind of bounced back and now they're still a little bit lower. So in the end, it didn't really matter. I could have just held it. But I, I, I learned about that even too. And when you get these day trading people, which is me and a lot of others, we're getting the opening and we're getting the closing and all the real deals and everything are made in the in-between, it feels like. I, I don't know the accuracy of that. How do you guys sometimes, feel? Sometimes it feels like, because the, the, the IPO, that Snowflake IPO a couple weeks ago, okay, that that shot up like 100%, 103% pre-market before we even opened. Yeah. So it was like too much for me because I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm, I was planning on, oh, I'll get in on this and I yeah. didn't go pre-market and as soon as it opened, it was already out of my price range where I was like, oh, I, I guess I'm just... Yeah, even in pre-market, right. you could watch it happening yeah. and like they are going to keep pre and post-market because one, it shouldn't be 24 hour around the clock even though that's kind of what they're doing and two, those are the people that have more power Exactly. and they would rather they make the major decisions and the money than the everyday individual. Yeah, 100%, yeah. And here is the crossroads of this conversation. We're talking about how to invest as, you know, a, a progressive person, what companies are worth investing, and, you know, the balance between our own financial interests versus the fact that the real democracy is what you do with your dollar. Mm-hmm. And now there's an IPO, Palantir, oh, yeah. hitting the market in... It got pushed back from the 21st, and now it's likely the 29th. 
although I haven't seen a price today. Are you are you aware of what Palantir is? No. So Palantir is basically the data analytics firm of the CIA. They they have three clients, the CIA, the US government, and the Department of Homeland Security. They have connections to ICE, they have connections to police surveillance, and you know, from my personal politics, there isn't a single thing they do that I agree with. However, mm-hmm. I see that the underwriters are in trouble because they didn't price it correctly. Instead of like an initial public offering where you give it to investors and then it reaches the public, it's a direct public offering. So that thing with Beyond that we were bitching about moments ago, mm-hmm. that will not be the case. That won't be the case. They're going straight to yeah, the so this, public. So this is supposedly the biggest valuation of all time between 17 and 22 billion dollars and i've seen share prices as low as 10 why i why not buy this because the only reason to bring this public is to make money off the stock yeah so am i able to be a good progressive liberal living in new york drinking oat milk not using plastic while i own a hundred shares of palantir i don't know if that's possible uh, yeah, I, it's what's well, like kind of what you were talking about as far as not investing in 2016 because of Trump. It's like yeah. this is the kind of thing where it's like you could make a lot of money off this, but it's like I mean morally, what are you gonna do? I this is it's the recycling thing again because it's like I'm gonna try to do my part, but then in the end is like oh unless we make the major changes on a huge level about plastics and our mentality and how we reuse things and how we limit these companies from creating so much waste and, and carbon emissions and other pollutions, your individual impact won't matter, which is what sucks because then I'm the person that's like, okay, well, let me make money off of this so that the thing that I do is, you know, uh, there were many people I know where the unemployment was bad in their state, right? So I helped some people out because they were like in Arizona, some places, some people got paid for three weeks and then they were about 16, 17 weeks behind. Because they were so worried about fraud happening, even though it was only like under $100,000 gotten taken from the state mm-hmm. in, in fraudulent claims of unemployment. So they stopped paying people for like 15, 16 weeks. People like that, that needed it because of... Yes. Your, yeah. You don't get on... Like if you're someone who's an investor, if you're somebody who's doing okay in your life, like I, I, I don't have any kids, I don't have any debt. There's a lot of decisions I've made. I live with my parents longer. There's other things I've done to make sure that I'd be fine during any of these situations if I didn't have to work for a year or two, whatever. But that's not what everyday Americans are. Right. So it's kind of like, okay, so now you've you've set them up to... So my point being is that, yeah, I'm conflicted because I'm like, well, could I go make some money on this and then I can help my friend whose uh, PUA didn't come in so that they don't have to get evicted. Like right. what, you know, so what, what part of me is like, there's the giver part of me, but then it's like, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. So what's the answer? We can't win? or Well, the answer is we have to coordinate this effort. I got to get okay. you on board. I got to get you on board. And I got to get the listeners on board because the only way we can turn this in our favor and wash our hands of this ethically compromised position is if enough progressives buy the Palantir stock that warrants a board seat. <laughs> <laughs> get us in the actual room. That's... Yeah. That's I didn't even think of it what that way. Majority owners of the FBI. I mean, yeah, we're, yeah. Gonna, we're uh, honestly wouldn't that would be very helpful. I think we're going to be the first person to wear Birkenstocks at the board meeting of a defense contractor. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, they're like first things first. We have to defend against you, and then we like close the door, and then that was our one <laughs> shot. Yeah, we lock them in, and then they just use some sort of 
amazing machinery to right to blow through a the jaws wall. of lifestyle thing just trumps the door yeah and then three planes that never take off that was it they just they've spent so much money on they things just, that don't work they just <laughs> taxi forever yeah they just taxi forever i think there's like a there's like uh the the, the u.s government paid a contractor like over a trillion dollars to like create these planes and there were like 51 of them and it was like they just didn't work and you're like, that can just happen. We could just spend the trillion dollars to a company and then it's just no longer there. So whenever someone's like, wow. we can't afford to give people unemployment, you're like, no, we can. We definitely can. Yeah, for so. sure we can. And it'll actually be, like, they'll actually use it and it'll actually help people sure. as opposed to, you know, flushing it down the toilet for prototypes that probably don't work. When you give money to the people, they'll spend it on stuff. They have to. They and, do. And people don't understand. Like they're like, oh, why do these companies do these things? Why are they governing this way? There's never thing any stake. And the fact is, if you study accounting in any meaningful way, mm. you'll see that stockholder equity is the fundamental thing that all companies are predicated upon. And it's a plan for anything the company makes. It'll be released to the. It'll either increase the company's value or it'll go back to the investors. Mm-hmm. That's the point. It's not to make the better product. It's not to make the better society. It's like, but do our quarterly numbers make the money people's happy? And then the money people's will give us some of their monies and then we can have more of it. And it's like, it's never about because iPhone made this awesome advancement that we all needed right? or anything of that nature. It's yeah. like, it's all about numbers on a chart for people. Yeah. And that's, that's why I'm like, down to. that's why I was like, how do people make money? And then I was like, oh wait, this is why they made money during the pandemic i was thinking like people what do people invest in during this time you know you're not buying commercial places right like you're not putting in offices you're not buying up areas you construction did happen a little bit but where do you put money so when rich people are like well i want to keep making money so they just all put in stocks right and then they're like then my money can so it's not like these companies became more valuable it's just everybody put money into stocks yeah and when the u.s government is gonna print seven trillion dollars you know, just the simple math of it is a dollar is going to be worth a little bit less. And of course, just to go a little conspiracy theory, sure. Warren Buffett famously sat out this, you know, stock renaissance over the past six months. Is there a more perfect totem than the guy sitting the, sitting this out? Oh, Warren Buffett's not in there. All these institutions are sitting this out. Meanwhile, Bezos is double. He made his divorce in about a two-week span. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think about that. You're right. Uh, so, who do, do you have any investments that make you feel good personally? Uh, I was gonna say like in interpersonal relationships. Those are the investments. <laughs> How much do those pay out? Do they get dividends on those? Yeah, Honestly, when your parents die, they do pretty get good. Dividends. <laughs> They, they get dividends like, uh, you know, like having a good relationship with my parents and then a pandemic hits and then you end up living with them because you tear your Achilles like I did. And then you that paid the dividend in that regard. But in terms of a hot stock tip, not really. I'm, I, I think what's going to happen is what's going to happen uh, in general. If if Biden becomes the president, it'll just kind of dip a bit. So I, I don't I don't have any. But that's a good time to buy. That's and, a fire sale. And it back is. back to Vanguard, back to the buy and hold philosophies. Sure. We are worried about this disruptions, but every study of stockholder behavior dictates if you don't do anything, you'll be fine. Yeah, that's, you would you would have survived 1929, 2000, 2008, any other crisis. Right. That that's a good point. That's always what that's literally all my dad has done. He's like, no, we just hold and then. Yeah, it'll be like that, or yep, it'll be like this, but we have this much value already that we're able to 
keep for ourselves and use for daily expenses. So, yep. And I'm the one that I think it's because I wasn't working as much because mm-hmm. of the pandemic that I was like, I got to get in and out at the right times. When before this, I was just like, no, buy it and let it grow. Right. Which, yeah, that is the best thing you could do if you're like somebody that can set aside X amount of money, put it in a couple things and just leave it. And that'll usually grow with inflation. And that's like the whole point. But everyday Americans can't always do that, you know? For sure. It's an ebbs, it ebbs and flows. And um, it's, I feel like I do feel it's like a luxury and a privilege for me to have money that I can invest in and things like that. It's, uh, but I do think it's gonna, I mean, you don't, it's kind of a joke and it's also real. It's like you don't lose until you sell. Interesting. Yeah, because the, the, the potential profit doesn't, you know, you don't, you don't get in on it if you're not in on it. Right. And there's a thing where it's like, you don't want to bag hold, you know, I'm still holding Amarin. I'll take Amarin to my grave, but uh, I think, I think my options about to expire on that did not hit (laughs) goodbye $200. It was fun to play at the sports book on that one. (laughs) And you know, we're investing in our passions and that's been okay. Like I noticed Herman Miller, the best furniture company in the world was slow to bounce back. That's done well for us. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'm I'm the ga- I'm the professional gambler. So, DraftKings. DraftKings. We've had DraftKings. Dude, there's no better feeling than a, when a company becomes the hot talked about stock and you've owned it for three months already. Yeah. That I I don't think I've had that happen. I've just been lucky enough to be like, oh look, Apple and Zoom went nuts, and wow. then and then tried to we've sell been, some of that off. We've been pretty lucky with like the over the last couple of weeks of like picking some hot. Uh, Pinterest, I picked Pinterest a, like that was a while back, and they're they're doing pretty well. Pinterest is good. What? Yeah, Pinterest is amazing. Pinterest like, is like the number three uh, social media site in the world. Yeah, and what? If, with if, who? With, who with, with women. Dog? It's still being used. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, it's huge. Huh. Dude. It's like, huge. The metrics that first made Facebook break through and be such a valuable commodity was the amount of time people spend on that website. Mm-hmm. People send, spend so much time on Pinterest. It dominates Google image search. Like That's so interesting because I, I get I noticed that. I mean, that did happen a lot, but I I I don't know. I guess I wasn't noticing amongst people, but I think it's also because a lot of my friends, based upon our age group, like start having kids, and I'm sure they're they're just scrolling less because all the stuff with kids in general but they do get ideas off of it I that's what i mean people get recipes people get yeah. like craft ideas i mean it's huge like I, I, i'm not even it's not even hyperbole it's like the top five one of the top five social media websites right now dude and, and that's a byproduct of being comedians like pinterest appeals to c- people who curate their lives sure and that's not something most comics do <laughs> like i was like here's 17 ways to rearrange your suitcase like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's, that's basically what my life has been, living out of suitcases. That's yeah, living out of suitcase. I honestly prefer it. Like, I love this kind of pared down, minimal style. I've been living out of a suitcase since March. Okay. I don't think I ever want to not live out of a suitcase at this it's point. It's hard to stop. It's yeah. hard to stop once you do it. And But in the end, you kind of want... So even though you're doing this living out of a suitcase, you are creating stabilities in friendships and work and other things that you're doing, like with your grad school and with... Uh, these podcasts and other things that you're doing. So regardless of where you're exactly living, you still have these other things. Whereas I traveled so much outside of where I normally lived that my work was never where I was living. So now I'm in this weird place where I'm like, where should I live? Because I got so used to being on the road. Like you know, one time I was gone for four months, only home for two days because I was doing shows all over. So uh, 
but but yeah it's and once you're doing that it's hard to stop after a little while at least in my experience but that's that's going from the go 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 production lifestyle to trying to be like if i'm not producing if i'm not making things if i'm not making money then i'm worthless that's the mentality i have to fight with a lot of the time yeah and like I probably work around 70 hours a week and I, every every second of my life I feel like it's not enough. Yeah, um you just explained why I absolutely hate everything and I'm so pessimistic now is because but the optimism is this. We need things to do, right? With a given day. But I literally think every person is underpaid except for the overpaid people. but you know what I mean? I think everybody's underpaid and overworked all the time, no matter what. Uh, My friend's a teacher that was visiting here and she was jokingly on the phone with one of her co-teachers and was like, was anyone else thinking about quitting today? And then I like, she was just on the phone and I was like, are you guys quitting? Like, that's awesome. Like, I just, I want everyone to walk out of every job. I want everyone to realize that they are worth more than what they're giving away Mm -hmm. because they are. It's just then people go, but then how do I survive? And And that's the... There is an argument. If you're going to say everyone is underpaid, mm-hmm. you can make an argument for that as long as dividend payment exists. Mm. Like if if the standard practice of every successful company is, oh, we're going to have this extra money and we're going to give it to people with ownership stocks. Like the amount we got from that Bank of America, we have got three shares of them. We put in $60. We got 70 cents back. That's a, like a roughly 4% return. And mm-hmm. if that's going to happen, you got to wonder, what are, why doesn't that go to the bank tellers? Why doesn't that go to the security guards, who I'm sure are subcontracted out and only get a third of what they're being paid For ultimately? Sure. So if you're going to keep this going where people are a part of it and it doesn't run without people, we have to then value people. One of the problems, though, that's going to come about is when we eventually all get replaced by technology and machinery to an extent, so you don't really have to put that much. I mean, most, if not all companies, when they can cut jobs, they'll cut jobs. So that's what everyone's trying to do all the time. So we're really going to have to lean into some sort of valuing human life in our country and using the wealth of our country to make citizens be okay with the universal basic income or other things, because... I just see it. I mean, what what did we get rid of first? We got rid of manufacturing in America. We sent that overseas, which is fine. It goes somewhere else, although we usually send it over so we can exploit, right? Right. It's not. It's sent over to slave labor. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, we just wanted to share the jobs with the Philippines. Yeah. It was, no, we just realized we can get away with more stuff. Yeah, like, we, can charge, we can pay them 60 cents as opposed to... I met somebody in the Philippines who worked for, at the call center, and they work for a bank in California, and they live in Manila. Yeah. Okay, like that's... Uh, so anyway, but people keep shipping things out. And what I'm thinking is going to happen because of this pandemic, people realize you don't have to have people physically in an office building, right? Like, mm-hmm. why am I paying someone to work in Manhattan in a Manhattan business or to live the Manhattan or New York expenses lifestyle when I realize they could work from home? So why would I even hire this person? I'm going to hire someone in Alabama. Why even hire someone in Alabama? Let me go hire everybody in India to do all these other things. And you're just going to keep getting this larger difference in in jobs going away from America, but also not needing people to have the jobs. We're going to have to start valuing human life. Yeah, but can we start valuing human life? You talk about the big tech companies sure. you're invested in. Sure, sure. Amazon, Apple. Uh, they, they've, they're now a considerable fraction of the entire economy, and they're built upon these practices. Like a- Apple's considered the most American company more than half of their workers are employed in uh, overseas factories. And it's just like, we can't make the progress you're talking about. Right. Just like we can't make the progress with our own plastic usage. This kind of corruption, it's baked into it. 
So mm-hmm. we're voting with our dollars every day, and every dollar you spend, you're co-signing every decision a company makes. Like I, I even try not to use Amazon, but then I owned stock in it. So I'm like, what is wrong with me in that <laughs> regard? Like, uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Oh, uh, going back to, this is a thought I had on the way here. Uh, and it was, you know, early on when we were establishing, um, rights for workers, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, you know, at one point in Pennsylvania, Carnegie, I thought literally used the police to like, to like fight against, workers because they're trying to unionize okay right. like that was the battle that happened it was like no you're not worth all this stuff and then the they could hire people to be goons to hurt the working class right. and we learned that okay so the biggest thing that we originally sold was like human labor in america right now i think that what's happened and this is probably not a realization to anybody but me is rather than trying to get everybody to work all the time we're just trying to get everybody's debt we're just trying to get everyone to get into debt and to buy stuff. So like the general population doesn't care about getting me, like all these companies, they don't care about getting me to work for free or cheap. That's what it originally was, right? Like production was like, we got to pay our employees less. We're going to build giant skyscrapers off of uh, immigrants and other people that are going to be underpaid doing dangerous jobs. And now it's kind of like, we don't really, we do need workers and stuff, but we more care about whether or not we can get you to buy stuff. Right. That's that's what I, I think what people want more. And it's also a little bit better because we're not always being exploited for our labor things. But yeah, everyone's just trying to sell you something all the time. Well, there's the whole, th- I mean, there's a the whole, you're talking about people buying, like having people be indebted to them. There's just tons, tons of companies that are like all these, I see these credit card companies that are trying to like, pretend like they're your friend by being like, we will help you pay down your debt. It's like, no, no, you just want my debt. You want my debt. Like, yeah. You want to you buy my debt from someone else and then I am beholden to you as opposed to these people. Yeah, well, even the more you use the card, like they want you to pay it off, but the more you use it, they always get a percentage. Right. So that's all that they, the, the production of it. And right. these, these companies, they're shrewd and you know we're young, sophisticated, urban individuals for the most part. And oh, we hear a podcast at, oh, SoFi. I've never heard of this company. They must be new to the market. They want to help me refinance my student loans. Oh, no. Well, a $2 billion stadium just opened in Los Angeles. SoFi Stadium. Oh, yeah. Really? These companies so profitable. Within five years of existence, they're naming the biggest construction project in California right now after themselves. I forgot about that. Yeah, you're right. Holy shit. And what SoFi helps people with their tries to help people refinance yeah they help people refinance their student loans in a completely altruistic richard dawkins influenced Uh, way i imagine how do you even if you're gonna make that much money off of it is it really you helping that's Um, right that's what i'm saying man they just want to buy up people's debt and then help them lower it but really they're making billions off of it yeah and meanwhile like a going from one bookie to another which uh, another subject i get into at length during many of my (laughs) podcasts what buying debt? Oh, switching from bookie to bookie. Honestly, oh, that, I, I mean that is what companies do. Like you even buy a company. Like I, I started watching. This is, it's a okay. So on YouTube, it's very. I watched this guy called the Company Man, and it's because his voice is. He he's he's very straightforward, but he's a little boring with his voice, and I can fall asleep to it. And like all the other stuff I consume tends to be like, 
information heavy or news heavy. And this will talk about like, why did this company do okay? And then the rise and fall of it, or like a company bigger than, you know, and they talk about their different products. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, what'd you just say? I, I got, I was talking about SoFi and them being a new company that oh. appeals to us, but still being entrenched and profitable enough to sure. name a football stadium after themselves. So from watching this, the, these, uh, the YouTube channel, I end up seeing most of the reason why some companies go under is because they either try to absorb too many other companies and take on too much debt, or they purposefully absorb a, con- a company to then put the debt of buying that company onto that company so it dies, but they reaped profits. So basically, it's I buy a company like or I buy like a newspaper, and I, I do a really leveraged loan to buy the newspaper, and then I can legally take money and sell off the assets of the newspaper, but then the newspaper gets the debt that was used to buy it, and now it goes bankrupt. So it's just vultures. So you go in, and you could suck out from the bottom, but you put this heavy weight on top. And I think the problematic thing to me is how these kind of deals are just tricked with how they're marketed after the fact. Mm. So to put it in perspective, I'll talk about the XFL. Okay. WWE, publicly traded company. They start XFL as a private different company it's a corporation so no individuals beholden for it so they have these stadium deals they have these coaches they hired away from the nfl and they start their first season covid hits they declare bankruptcy they default on their contracts they default on their leases and they have the assets to pay these over probably a couple thousand times they're an international entertainment conglomerate but they were just able to not pay off those debts no, they declared because, bankruptcy, and uh, how this story was consumed by the by the public wasn't this kind of American everyday company that we raise our children on doing just the worst business tactics impossible. It was reported as the Rock buys a football league. It's just like his story in Ballers, and it's like that's cool, that's a little interesting, yeah. but. What about what happened before? Right. So, what about what got us here? Wow. Matt, don't look at me. I was, yeah, I was, right. I was wondering. <laughs> I was wondering. I actually, it never even crossed my mind what happened to that because it was coming back, and everyone was like, "This will be cool." And then my priorities changed completely. The only thing that got me back into sports because I was a much bigger sports person um, was when the Bucks didn't play. That's what got me back into the NBA because I, I started getting to the point where I was like, sports sports are just a thing to, now I realize it's a way we can connect, mm-hmm. but it's also a way to distract. And then once they actually were like, you're allowed to, they actually spoke up. I was like, okay, I can get back to the NBA now. Yeah. I still have mixed feelings about it though, but I still like, I loved, like ESPN was like a language to me, but it was also like a huge distraction for the, from the systemic problems of our of our society, but also I definitely watched their special where they were showing all their best. This is Sports Center commercials, which have you guys do? Have you guys? Yeah, you guys yeah. know the ones throughout the years, yeah. right? It's so interesting that they created an advertising campaign for their own network that they ran on their network, and then I watched a special on their network about the amazing impact of their advertising campaign. They were giving stats of the major famous athletes and how many times they appeared in these commercials right they're like this person appeared nine times and this one holds the record for seven times and i was like these are sports stats now like right. your sports center commercial appearances on a sports center so it was just so in trench so it's they're very like yeah and as an older sports fan fortunately i'm 
I do well enough where my sports fandom can pay the bills for me. That's but there is just this, with the younger generation, the love of sports has merged with the way media is consumed into this kind of scary new thing. Well, I mean, by the way, is it true that like esports are one of the bigger Huge. sports? They're foisted. That storyline gets pushed okay. all the time. Um, there is some evidence for it, but really that's just people. You know why that story is reported? Because sports ownership in the major four leagues has the, been the best investment in the world for the past sure. 100 years. And now what? no franchises can be bought, but esports franchises are cheap. And if esports become a thing, the ownership prices, which are structured just like an NBA or NFL team ownership, will commensurately skyrocket. Interesting. Right. It's like when people in 2000 bought. Do you remember the the overnight billionaires? I forget what website they had, but they like they there was a, there was, everyone's trying the dot com bubble. They were trying to buy up who's going to be the next biggest, and there was just like a two person company, and they got valued huge, and then it all dropped. Their stock went completely away, so they became billionaires and then not billionaires. Like overnight, I feel like everyone's just trying to hop on that all the time. Yeah, so it's like absolutely, we're seeing that with Trevor Milton and Nicola. We're seeing that with Adam Newman and WeWork. So you know, the scam has never gone away. The scam is as evolving and multifaceted as the economy itself, uh, and that's why we're here. We're gonna push this progressive so agenda so people like us and then we're gonna dupe you guys into investing into our publicly traded company <laughs> yeah. that doesn't exist yeah. well no what you guys are saying about nicola is hilarious that it's just like they just pushed it down a hill and that's how their their prototype worked you but know, we're just doing an impression of our stock chart yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. that's how it rode down it couldn't handle the ups uh the i i guess what the overall thing is then that i've that I, uh, the conclusion I'm coming to is that you're allowed to default on debt as companies and in general, and that's how you can make profit. So it's either you sell something of benefit to people and produce profit that way, or you just, like you said with the XFL, default on it and never have to pay your debt back. And it's like, but is that how it works for Americans and citizens and people? Can you just like not pay your debts? Right. Corporations are people. People are unless people. <laughs> back to SoFi, you can get rid of your debts with bankruptcy oh unless they're student loans. <laughs> in which case, there's going to be a football stadium that you helped pay for. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you went to a major university, there was a football stadium you helped pay for. You think University of Michigan Stadium came came about through? No, sir. Through... I went to University of Michigan. I went to USC, a private institution Ooh. in California. I I bought OJ Simpson as Heisman. Oh, blood <laughs> yeah. on, and he had to steal it back. Blood on my gloved hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you had a better joke than me, but I was already delivering mine. I should have let yours live in the room. Yeah, it's okay. It's probably good to have a joke once in a while. Yeah, <laughs> I forget how to do that. This has been probably our least funny episode, but I know maybe my favorite. To okay. be perfectly honest with you, but it doesn't matter. That's what I like about this podcast. Is like some podcasts we have where we lean. We're very loose and we're jokey and there's a couple of news stories and we talk about this and that. And this is like a very educational, very, very thoughtful conversation. It's like, I think the people that we have listening are going to enjoy it. Like, I hope so. It's a good episode. This is a good episode. I, this is why it's such a, it's such a, uh, uh, it, it doesn't even make sense that I'm a comedian because like, I, I, I am funny. It's right. Adam Grabowski. If you want to look, look me up or whatever, or go on my Instagram, uh, Adam Grabowski, but 
yeah, Facebook owned Instagram. Let me promote that. I won't buy Facebook and I don't want to own it and I want to delete my Facebook. But you can't com- delete your Facebook as a comedian because that's where a lot of the work comes in, huh? Not anymore. They're- not yeah not anymore i'm not i haven't i mean messenger has saved me a bit yeah maybe that's yeah like when i don't know somebody's number and i've had to like message in my messenger that's one of the reasons but i feel like i used to get booked through facebook and now i don't get booked through facebook i get booked through instagram now sometimes instagram it's like i reach out to people that would normally i would reach out to via phone calls or emails or i would meet them i'd physically meet people at conferences or they'd see me perform and now it's so much harder because we have to like try to steal everyone's attention right. in some sort of way. And I never want to just steal attention without giving something good in return. But that's the difference now. I can't physically do it. That's why I love live shows so much because you can get people engaged and there's a way to like have so much more enjoyment and bring people in versus having to just steal their internet attention. Because basically I want to do well, but I also don't want the rest of society to be on their phones all the time. Right. So like that's, that's another conflict that's within my mind i don't know how you guys feel about that but it's like yeah i don't i I don't use facebook to get booked i use instagram who's owned by facebook so it's the same thing and nothing matters yeah i'm on new facebook yeah yeah (laughs) yeah you're on old facebook this is the new shit right now. hey it's impossible to win but maybe and i guess the the blind assumption you have to make having these beliefs is you're a good person just for having the conversations yeah i'm well yeah, that's, that's all we can hold on people. to. Like, I, I go to protests every Saturday night. I okay. ride my bike. I chant. Does it ultimately make a difference? Right. No, but I feel the energies I have. I feel the attitudes I have, and I channel them as best as I can. It's like, I, I so understand that because I'm like, shouldn't I be protesting every day of my life? And then what's happened is just I'm an unhappy person. That's what's happened. As I recognize all of the different things that are wrong... And I want to talk about them and share the information because I think it's important to share the information. At the same time, as I'm consumed in that world of recognizing how everything's terrible, the end product product is I hurt. So it's like, ugh. But it's good when people come together because that is a bit of release. Hopefully that you can see the other people around you that are, that are there with you, you know? Yeah. And I'm in Phoenix now. So I'm wondering, I'm always like, are people protesting? But I'm new there. So I'm not like really connected. But also it's like 100 and some degrees and... Also, some people are afraid to protest there. And that, that, you know, that has one of the worst police forces in the country. Like, it's amazing a lot of the stories that I saw when I was local to Arizona did not make national headlines because they're just as galling as really? any of the police brutality cases that have become the tent poles for this movement. Is it just kind of like it doesn't get out or is it just that it's like super assumed it'll take place there? Or? Yeah, I think it's super assumed it'll take uh. place in Phoenix specifically. I think... Over Memorial Day weekend, they killed a poor young man in his car, in his front yard. So, yeah, the, that's why I had to get out of Arizona. It was too backwards. I were probably alienating the couple conservatives who are still listening at this point. I but mean, seeing a 20-something Trump supporter us. is insane to me. Join us. That's what. That's always what I say. Like, you, it, it, I, I, I feel bad that I didn't know more about these things early on, or I didn't support Bernie versus Hillary. Like there's things that you don't know until you know them, and I'm not gonna fault you for it. So you're welcome to join anytime you want, conservatives. You could join us at any time. Get on get on the same wavelength, talk about this stuff, realize there's ethical problems, realize that you've bought into a game and system that we all have. 
and uh, just, yeah, so we don't mean to alienate them, but yeah, I'm happy that I'm registered to vote in Arizona. Yeah. And and I'm going to work the polls too. And by, I'm working the polls as well. You are? Yeah, I'm doing them here. That's why I have to be registered here, but yeah. Okay. Doing my civic duty, you know, aligned interests here. And like, if you want to come on board, don't come on board for this progressive agenda. Maybe there will be things that are upsetting, a lot of the liberal slander, like you have to laugh at it from time to time, but also do it so we can buy this Palantir stock. We'll get this board seat (laughs) and we will own the CIA. That's what every conservative wants. So let's all buy the CIA together. We, yeah, we can. We gotta. If you're gonna, you want to defund ICE. We have to start with Palantir first. We go uh, into Palantir and then we defund ICE from the inside out. We scoop them out. How? Honestly, that's. We talk about protesting. That would be the most direct action to actually defund ICE. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. To become the board member again, like you're yeah. saying. Yeah. That. I mean. Uh. Yeah. Kind of. You have to have a seat at the table to do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, like as much as we yell at Mitch McConnell, it doesn't change anything. We have to like remove his seat or put our chair next to it. Like that's, that's interesting. Why, why are things that, why are we, are we privatizing the CIA and everything? Like stop privatizing everything. This is not helpful. It never works out well. I'm not saying we should go full on government controls everything. And no. Never works out well doesn't mean a couple people are really rich. Cause yeah. you know, we're all... This is all from a global perspective. The three gentlemen in this room are the one percent. So, uh, yeah. there needs to be more of that. There needs to be systematic change. And you know what? There is a way. F- there will be a way that emerges to, f- for people to do that with their dollars. It's not there yet. But asking the conversations, having the conversations, is the best thing you can do right now, in my opinion. Well, in general. That also helps everyone understand and know better than anybody else. I mean, that uh, conversation is the way in which I learn about different cultures, different ways of life, different ways of history, the the information about uh, just how to relate better to the human experience that's different than mine. And that only comes through experience, conversation, traveling, and knowledge. So that's that's what we got to hope for. All right. Well, this was this was such a fun episode. I really enjoyed having you on, Adam. Um, you said it briefly. Where can our listeners find you? Yeah. So I, uh, you can find me sulking my head uh, as I still buy a Starbucks drink and be like, "But this is corporations." No, you can find me on uh, Instagram at Adam Grabowski. And then I made a podcast called Avoidance Issues, but it's because I avoid doing work and other things. So I actually haven't made one in months, which is messed up. But the other thing you could do, I don't know when this is coming out. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. It is. Okay. So we're doing a fundraiser comedy Zoomathon on October 3rd to raise money for the Biden-Harris campaign. I know we said Bernie AOC wrong. All right. I agree with you. But it's uh, it's called Laugh Across America. And what we're doing is you have to donate to Biden-Harris in order to get in. Uh, and it's a 12-hour comedy zoom marathon on saturday october 3rd and it has like maria bamford and judah friedlander and laurie kilmartin and some other people that are like writers for late night or comedians that have been on different shows and basically everyone's doing a zoom comedy bit but there's some big names on it and then you can like donate to maybe eventually probably stop fascism a little bit you're not stopping capitalism by voting biden harris but you you can stop a little bit of the other stuff so laugh across america yeah, or Adam Grabowski. Adam Grab-ow-ski. But you have an owski here, so you should Walk not do it. Walk 
Owski. My name's not too hard to spell. I've got no. two forms of transportation in it. You got it. the walk, Owski. I would always say it's like grab, ow, why'd you grab me? And then ski, like the ski poles. That's what I would say to get people. Yeah. It's not that confusing. Last thing though, uh, you should all look up Mike Ditka and the Grabowskis because he made, <laughs> if you've heard of the Super Bowl shuffle, he made a follow-up video called the Grabowski shuffle because he called the Bears the Grabowskis because they were a hardworking Chicago family together. And he did what essentially looks like a knockoff village people, 80s, awesome, low-budget music video, and it's the best. You know how sometimes you can get things personalized with your last name? Like uh -huh. you have a mug or you have a poster. We had a poster in our basement that said Mike Dick and the Grabowskis. And I thought it was like, oh, my parents paid to have, you know, like like whatever your favorite sports team, right. like you get a jersey with your name on it, like a Yankees jersey, even though they don't put names on it, right? Right, right. You could do that. And then I found out it was real. Right. And it was just them like, well, we wanted to do a follow-up video. So it's one of the... I've, the I've never heard of it. That's incredible. It's awesome. I'll show you guys. Yeah, we're watching after. the second we get off the air. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, do you have anything to plug this week? Uh, I don't really have anything to plug. I'm sure I'm going to be doing um, some more Stand Up New York shows. Uh, this will be it on, what, Wednesday? Uh, I'll be doing Stand Up New York shows. Uh, oh, actually, Tiny Cupboard. I'm at Tiny Cupboard on Friday. Uh, 10.30, Tiny Cupboard, 17.17 Broadway. Those shows have been packed, uh, socially packed, so they're like spreading everyone out, but there have been a lot of people there, so it's been fun, so come to that. Um, that's about it, Dom. Thank you for listening. Yeah, go out to the Tiny Cupboard on Friday. It might, I'm guessing it's the last chance you'll have to see Matt for a while. We're getting locked down again for... You think it's going to happen here? I mean, not, New York, it's just the strictest. We got a couple neighborhoods who are starting to look really bad. Yeah. My fiance works in the Hasidic community who, mm. that's they're so insular, they don't know this exists. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And then uh, I, I wonder if the holiday, you know, obviously people come together. So that's also a, a, sp a spreading way to to do that yeah so get out and support like stamp new york and uh go see the shows while you can yeah go see them it, Joel is, i saw it yesterday it was awesome so and fun right it was, it was it was a ton of fun and i like i as a comedian i try i don't watch the many shows and i'm like just happy that they exist and it was fun and people are out and they're spaced and it's safe yeah so. and it's good energy and they're happy to be there and they're ready to laugh it's it's great so joel what do you got you want to plug your mba yeah what up um yeah if you've listened you know my new show the walk on on the props network we have a new one out today where I talk finals. I put out some NFL bets. And then tomorrow, 9.30, I'm having the walk-on MLB preview. Michelle Neat will be coming on as the Props Network's MLB expert. And we're going to talk through just the baseball postseason, how it's going to be a lot of fun. And, yeah, ton of content coming from me. And we'll be back with another Hold My Bread with Mike Racine next week. Yeah, Mike Racine. Yeah. yeah. The opposite of you. Oh, really? <laughs> we're going to go from uh, like, yeah, it's going to be great. What a, what a good uh, contrast we're going to have. I'm excited to listen to that. And I'm glad you have some palate cleanser after this. <laughs> and I swear I'm actually funny. It'll happen. No, it's not about being funny. He's just like, he leans pretty far right. Okay. So, <laughs> so. It'll be like all about the sports and about the money and who to invest in. Like, okay, so you, you look on the news and like, you're like, oh my God, all these bad things are happening. And then you turn on like CNBC and someone's like, yeah, we shouldn't invest in human beings anymore. <laughs> so let's put it in this instead. Yeah. I was like, you, you guys just only care about the money part. Yeah. Uh, no, so. invest in human beings by Wayfair. Good night, folks. Oh, yeah. <laughs>